Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of You're Welcome. Another pay-per-view is in the books, and coming up on today's show, I'll tell you what I saw in Covington versus Mosfall, and I'll discuss the future for each guy. Plus, a story about Hazma Chamaya, and I'm going to ask you guys a question about Khabib. All that's coming up next, but first, a quick word about today's sponsor. 
This episode is brought to you by one of my favorite mental enhancers, Super Speciosa. What I do here is fun, but not always easy. Sometimes I need a little boost to get me in the zone. Super Speciosa's Kratom gives me that extra mental clarity and physical boost to keep pumping out creative, entertaining content for you guys. It's an all-natural Indonesian tropical tea leaf from the same family as the coffee plant. It's been used for centuries to promote energy and wellness. Super Speciosus Kratom is pure and unadulterated. All plant and no synthetics, just pure Kratom leaf. It's available in capsules, tea bags, and powder. I prefer the capsules. It can be used as a natural pre-workout and also helps with recovery. Super Speciosa has helped energize my mind but also relax my body. It makes me feel sharp and on point without any kind of jitters. Super Speciosa products are recognized by the American Kratom Association. And let me tell you guys, that's a big deal because there's a lot of synthetic Kratom out there and these products are real. If you'd like to give it a try, and I suggest you do, go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash Chael. If you've never taken Kratom before, try it in the capsule form. Super Speciosa guarantees 100% satisfaction or your money back. No gimmicks. Go to GetSuperLeaf.com slash Chael and get 20% off with promo code Chael. That's GetSuperLeaf.com slash Chael and use the promo code Chael to save 20% today. Colby Covington versus George Moswell. Guys, can we agree? Can we at least agree that neither guy looked their best? And I'll tell you why that is. It's a, it's a deeper piece of psychology that one would really have to study. But historically speaking, when somebody knows his opponent and vice versa, and this can be any sport, when Brady leaves the Patriots and goes to the Buccaneers and the Buccaneers return to New England, well, we know him and we know what the plays are and that goes on both sides and I don't know how the defense is going to be ran. It ends up with a reactive mindset as opposed to proactive. I'm talking about defense as opposed to offense. Anytime somebody knows their opponent, it flips a switch inside. And it's never I know how to attack him. I know what his openings are so I can go after him. It's always I know what he's going to do so I know how to block. Always. It just does something to the athlete's mindset. Whenever we see two guys who know each other, where the mask is off, there's no allure, there's no illusions, there's no mystery. Guys shut down as opposed to go forward. Have you noticed that in time? And I did have this fear going into this fight that that's what we were going to see. And nobody learns to win a fight defensively. You defend when you have to, but the greatest defense is a good offense. You go to practice every day, your coach is showing you how to attack somebody. Now, in fairness, yes, he'll show you what to do when you're being attacked, but that's still, that's still how you win. That's still what the judges look for. That's where you go right down the list from damage to octagon control. These things are all about offense. And I knew going into this fight, just because I've seen it so many other times, both of these guys were going to underperform. And on one degree, they did. Neither one of them brought their best offense. In fairness, both of them brought some pretty goddamn good defense. They did know each other. They did know what to look for. You didn't see any broken noses and swollen eyes. You didn't see knockdowns and trading it back and forth. They did know each other. Now, Colby looked to me. I think that George met Colby's very first takedown attempt with more resistance than Colby was used to. That's what I believe. 
Masvidal's gotten very good at that position. He not only had his hips right, talking about Jorge, he was dropping elbows that were nasty. Colby was frustrating Jorge. Jorge said something to the referee not once but twice. I can never remember a time in history that George Masvidal has given a damn about the rules or ever got mentally frustrated. And I think that George gave enough resistance, not to mention George got back up, not to mention George is a lot bigger and better animal than what Colby's used to. I think that frustrated him just a little bit. Now, the way that Colby rectified that internally was to say, I need to slow down. I need to slow down just a little bit. This guy's taken more energy out of me earlier than I was expecting him to. And I think Colby slowed down just a little bit. I bring that to you. I watched this side by side with Lionheart. This was a, a very hard match. I thought going into the third, it was two rounds to none, Colby. But other people we were watching it with thought it was one and one. They thought Colby won the first round and George won the second round, and we're not at going to the third. So as the third ends, and again, it's Colby being reserved. Colby's doing what Colby wants to do. Colby was more offensive. George was extremely defensive. So the judges are going to look at that. That's going to be favorable for Colby. But it's close. I mean, maybe Colby's on top, but he's not hurting him. Maybe he's looking for a choke, but George is defending. I mean, it's, it's still a close match. I said to Anthony Smith, I said, it's not going to be moving forward. I believe what I'm seeing is Colby being reserved for energy reasons. With the, the single greatest fear that a combat athlete has is not failure. His biggest fear is exhaustion. That he will reach a point of fatigue where he can no longer defend himself and he can't finish the match. And I knew with 10 minutes left, Colby's going to be able to put his foot down on the pedal. This was just my take. Now, when we do get to the fourth round, Masvidal was still being defensive. I know Masvidal got that big shot. One thing about Masvidal, when he got that big shot, it reminded me, you guys will probably relate to this, to the fifth round of Nate Diaz versus Leon Edwards. Because George got him, but George didn't follow up. Now, you have a question as to why. You could default to because he didn't know how bad he had him hurt. And Colby was hurt badly, and Colby was hurt for a long time. It was 20 seconds before Colby was back. They had to go in between rounds, get help from the corner, get that minute off before Colby had his full feedback. The other piece of that is I don't think that Masvidal had the energy at that point. When you have somebody laying on top of you, Colby's doing the th same thing that George is doing. They're doing the same thing. They're in the exact same position. But George has Colby on top of him. So they're doing the exact same thing, but George has 180 pounds on top of him, right? I mean, you get it. It's very basic. And they set that octagon up for the first time in 1993. The rules have changed. The rounds have changed. The weight classes have changed. The nuances, the techniques, the strategies have changed on absolutely every level you want to look at, except for one. If you get on top of a guy against his will, you're winning. The only technique that has never changed from 1993 until now, with coaches and gyms and promoters and money and writers and video and pundits all behind it, staring at it, looking for what's new, looking to be ahead. The only constant that you have today that you had on day number one is if a guy gets on top of another guy against his will, he's winning the fight. So Colby's following the real basic rules. And as, as much as Colby pulled away, it was five rounds to none. One judge had it six rounds, right? There was a 10-8 round the third round. One judge had it 10-8. It was a hard fight. Make no mistake. And you remember when Masvidal fought Usman on Fight Island, right? Part one. It wasn't a close fight. All rounds went to Usman. But goddamn, it was a hard fight. 
They were close rounds. They were competitive rounds. They were separated by one position within the round, and that's what this was. And I respected how much Masvidal stayed in there. You got a guy on your back. You're down four rounds. There's no way for you to win this fight. This is over. You're not going to win the fight, but you stay in there anyway. The rear naked choke is as effective of a move as that looks to you guys. The rear naked choke hardly ever works. That is the sign between two athletes. I'm going to give you my back. Don't punch me. Put the choke in. Make it look good, and I'll tap out. That's exactly where Colby had him, and Masvidal refused. As tired as Masvidal was, as exhausted as he was, and we know he was because he hurt Colby and he didn't, he didn't follow up. That speaks and shows you without a question, he doesn't have the kind of energy that he wanted to have. He still wouldn't quit. He still wouldn't quit. Now, don't get too excited about Poirier versus Covington just yet. Poirier has not even announced that he's a 170-pounder, so give, give Dustin a break. But the mere idea that Covington was in the moment while preparing and planning for what's next takes a lot. This is a great performer. Everybody else wants to shake hands and say sorry and hug it out afterwards. Colby stays in character. Guys, he's doing that for you. He doesn't get a goddamn thing of that about people booing him or people thinking he's a jerk. You paid your money. This is what you want. He's going to bring it to you till the final curtain for you. I want you to be able to see it. I really do. When you have somebody that's this dedicated and this disciplined and will, and will stick to kayfabe no matter what, including when the show is over, the, the contract signed off, the check's in hand, but he will stay on it anyway because it's what he brought you. He's not a fraud. He's not going to laugh and he's not weak. If you want to be the heel, you got to be able to take the booze. Not very many guys can take the booze. Covington is a master performer. And guys, he's performing for you. Masvidal, what do you do next? It's a complicated question, guys. It's generally not for everybody else, but let's break these two down and let me tell you why it is. Colby Covington is the number one contender. Colby Covington is the next best guy in the world, aside from the champion. So what does Colby do? Like every other number one contender, he gets to fight for the championship, right? Well, no, wrong, because he already did. And he already did a second time. So what does he do? You can't find anybody to beat him. You can't find anybody to take his spot away from him. So we just act like there's an asterisk there. The number one contender doesn't get a fight for the belt. And then we try to explain to the audience or hope that the question is never asked as to why not. And if it is asked, we, we say because he already did. Okay. We're not shunning him. Everybody's doing everything right. Colby is not being cheated here. He has fought for the belt. That is why the number two or the number three or the number four guy will be fighting for it next and not him. I don't begrudge that. I'm trying to paint a picture for you of how unique this is. Anybody else in the world that has clearly identified themselves as a number one contender gets to fight for the belt, except for Colby. He is the only one. So what does Colby do? Colby is still the number one contender. Colby is still a huge draw. Colby is still selling out. Now, two arenas back-to-back -back in main event spots. He gets the credit for that. He tries to take this golden ticket of his called number one contendership, and he tries to cash it in at 185 pounds. That got not only dismissed, that got laughed at. Fine. Colby didn't feel bad for himself. He saw that it was dismissed and he quickly shifted gears. He went after a different world champion, this time down a weight class. 155 in Dustin Poirier. 
So in five days, Colby called for three different opponents. Colby did everything Colby's supposed to do. Colby is the best guy in the world not named Kamar Usman. That's just the truth. But what does he do if he doesn't get a fight for the belt? He's just going to run out Kamara's clock, wait for Kamara to either retire or to get upset, wait for Kamara to get an injury where he can't fight an interim belt comes up. Maybe. I mean, if it's the best you can do, that's what Colby will do. But he's trying to stay busy. He's trying to stay active. He understands this business as well as he does the sport, and he made sure to do the one thing that he should do, which is before that microphone gets pry out of his hands and passed to the next guy that's going to be up in a week, he made sure to lay out the fact of who he's going to fight next. He did all of those things. Colby did everything right. He got told no about Usman. He got told no about the style bender. He got told no about Dustin Poirier. What's the other options, guys? Sit around and wait for somebody to call him out. Nobody has called Colby Covington out. Nobody. I don't just mean since he beat George Masvidal. George Masvidal didn't call him out. Nobody's called him out in the history of his career. Kamar Usman didn't call him out. So what do you do? And there is one exception to the statement I just made. Colby has been challenged by one man and one man only. And that was Gilbert Burns. But Gilbert Burns has played his full on April 9th in Jacksonville on pay-per-view against a guy named Hosman Chmaev. Whoever wins that fight goes on to fight for the belt. Whoever loses that fight before you think is the perfect matchup for Colby, you think that today, but whoever loses that match is now coming off a loss. Coming off a loss to take off a guy coming off a win, even if it makes the most sense, it's unlikely to happen. So it comes back to what do you do, and I'm asking you very sincerely, what do you want? Colby's made it clear what he wants, which is he doesn't give a damn. He just wants it to be in line with what you want. Colby is the number one contender and a, a returning multiple-time main eventer would like to keep his spot in a sold-out arena on pay-per-view in the main event. That's all he's trying to do. He's throwing ideas out there as to who that could be. He's waiting for something to come back to him. He's not asking for something easy. He called three names in five days, and the only thing these three names have in common is they all got 12-pound gold belt somewhere on the mantle saying that they are world champion. So he's not looking for something easy. He's not trying to pull one over here. He's just trying to get something back, and nothing's coming. He is the only number one contender in our sport who does not get to fight for a world championship. I'm not saying it's not fair. I'm not saying he didn't get his opportunity. I'm spelling out for you that he wants to do something really hard. He wants to take a really big risk. He's willing to do it in the hardest of circumstances, which is 25 minutes in front of the world half-naked. Somebody's got to meet him part way. Somebody out there must want to be in a main event. Somebody must want to be in a feature match. Somebody must want the media tour that comes along with the Colby show. But nobody has stepped forward, so Colby himself offered one, two, three names. He got told no on all. Come on, that's a tough spot. Where's the courage at in this? Colby's shown it. He showed it by throwing his venom around to three different world champions. Where's the next guy now? Take a look at Masvidal, okay? Masvidal woke up the morning he fought Colby, the second biggest draw in the sport and the BMF champion. Masvidal wakes up today, the second biggest draw in the sport and the BMF champion. Masvidal, in addition to those things, has now signed an extremely lucrative contract. And if you take all of those things together, you realize that Masvidal is going to stay a main eventer. 
So Masvidal has got to get himself in five-round shape at all times because the only name coming out of the hat, no matter who it is, is going to be a really big damn deal and they're going to be on the top of the bill. Fine. But Masvidal went to a press conference. He didn't do what Colby did. He did not call somebody else out. Masvidal did what you should not do, which is nothing. He said, look, I'm going to take a month. I'm going to take a month. I'm quoting Masvidal. I'm in the passenger seat for this one. I believe in my managers. I believe in my coaches. My next opponent will be whoever my management and coaches tell me my next opponent's going to be. I'm okay with that. Normally, that would piss me off. But Masvidal's been around so long. He's done so much heavy lifting. He's fought everybody, including the champ. It's, that's where he's at. I got no problem with it. If we don't put Masvidal and McGregor together, I'm not going to understand what we're doing here. But I don't have to understand it. I mean, I really don't have to. When you have the two biggest draws in the sport, number one and number two, absolutely no exception, absolutely undeniable, and you can get them together, it just seems to me that you would. I leave it at that. There's not a contendership on the line. There's not a world title belt out there. It's a straight-up grudge. Dana had made a comment in Beverly Hills on the streets walking to dinner for a random stranger who happened to have a camera that turned out the guy worked for TMZ. And Dana's comment to that guy is, no, I would not put Masvidal and McGregor together because Masvidal's too big for him. Well, Connor took that as a challenge. Connor picked right up on that, and it pissed him off. Connor comes out in his very next fight against Cowboy Cerrone at, ding, ding, 170 pounds. That had nothing to do with Cowboy Cerrone or, or, or January 19th at T-Mobile. It had 100% to do with the comment that Dana made that said Connor wasn't big enough, so they want to fight. And I got to remind you guys of this story because people are throwing water on it. People are acting like this didn't happen. People are acting like we can't get the two biggest stars together. What in the hell are we doing if we can't do that? Of course we can. You bet we can. We could even make it for a belt considering Masvidal still got it. So in the question of what's next, what's going to be next, I don't see these challenges coming. And there's a lot of guys within the sport that feel I can't challenge a guy who lost. They're wrong. That's not a rule. That's not a rule. Masvidal has now lost three fights in a row. Masvidal's next fight will be highly paid in front of a sold-out arena on top of the bill. Our fans are different than boxing because our leadership is different than boxing. One thing that Dana White never gets credit for, but possibly the number one thing he should be credited for, he made losing acceptable. In combat, that just wasn't a thing. You cannot get the top boxers to box one another. If one guy's 12-0 and, and this guy's 12-0 and, and they're the same age and they came, they won't, they'll stay away from each other. Because if you lose a fight in boxing, you can't come back. You lose three fights in boxing, you're a bum. You will never main event again. You lose five, oh my God, if you lose five fights, they'll talk about you 20 years later how terrible you were. Boxing has not made losing acceptable. MMA has, I'm telling you, our biggest stars. Conor McGregor followed by George Masvidal, followed by Diaz. Either one, anybody with the last name of Diaz, they all got one thing in common, they didn't win their last fight. They've got another thing in common. They didn't win their last two fights. It doesn't make a bit of difference in our sport. It's iron on top of iron. We put the best against the best. We do not expect you to be 50-0 or 200-0. We know that you're not going to be. But LeBron loses games every single month. LeBron will lose two, three games in the same month and be world champion at the end of that month. That's how real sport works. Dana made sure that our fans and our audience understand that. Nobody gets padded here. We, the audience, will decide what we want to see. We'll let you know. You, the I don't make Conor McGregor the biggest star. I didn't make George Masvidal the second biggest star. I didn't make the Diaz boys number three. You guys did. So I'm telling you what you like, whether you know it or not. 
You like stories. You like fights. You like guys that want to fight. That's what makes for a main event. No name just gets pulled out of a hat for a main event. If you're jerking the curtain, if you're the first uh, three, four, five fights of the card, that was random. You had no story. You had no buildup. You started to manufacture some maybe after a bout agreement was signed that was put together arbitrarily by two voices over the phone because the matchmakers have contracts that they must satisfy legally. Okay. If you really like the sport, that, fair enough. If you don't, stick around because there are going to be five fights tonight that these guys created before the bout agreement came into place. It's all relevant. What does Colby do next? Who wants to fight him? Let's start with that. Raise your hand. If you already have a contract signed to fight somebody else so you know you can't fight Colby, put your hand down. And if you look around at how many are still up, it's none. He's going to have to start something from scratch, which is what he did three times in five days. Usman, Dustin, Izzy. Colby's willing to do something hard. He would like a return on that investment. That's reasonable. Masvidal's in the same spot. But he's a little bit more willing. He's got a new contract. He's got an old school mindset. He understands he's coming off a defeat. He doesn't want to break the rule and start coming, calling someone else out. He's letting you know he wants to be called out. Take advantage of that. The second biggest draw in the sport who's guaranteed a headline position is looking for a partner. Make it you. So I just spent a couple of minutes on the futures of Colby Covington and Jorge Masvidal. Now coming up next, I'll talk to you about two more guys that Colby and Jorge could see in their future. That's in a moment, but first, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. Uncle Chael here with a little investment advice on cryptocurrency. I've been studying and investing in crypto for quite some time, and now I understand it might feel like a secret or exclusive club, but let me tell you, to put your mind at ease, it's not. Our friends at Coinbase believe that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or just getting started, Coinbase can help. Maybe you identify as crypto curious if you thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency, but felt a little overwhelmed. Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell very simple. Coinbase offers a trusted, easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, or just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, guys, start today with Coinbase. Sign up at coinbase.com slash chael for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offer is for a limited time only, so be sure you sign up today. That's coinbase.com slash chael for $10 in free Bitcoin. All right, guys, so I had to go to the Apex. Do you guys remember Robert Fallis? Robert Fallis, I was one of his original students. I mean, we were teammates. He came from the Straight Blast gym, was trained by Matt Thornton, uh, starts running Team Quest. But before Robert ran Team Quest, he was 
to want to be a fighter himself. So he was just a guy working out at Team Quest. So when I tell you I was one of the original ones, there was only three of us there. Robert was a training partner. All of a sudden, he's no longer got fight aspirations. He's going to be the coach. We lost him. We lost him a couple of years ago, and UFC Pipe Pass is making a piece, a documentary-style piece on Robert Fallis. Very beautiful, and I got to participate. So I'm just explaining to you guys why I was at the Apex. Now, when I'm at the Apex, on the second floor is the training room. And it's amazing. You want to talk about state-of-the-art, I could go on and on how impressive this thing is, but just for real simple purposes, on one side of the room is a cage, on another side of the room is a matted area. Based on what your workout is for the day is where you will go, time slots, every 90 minutes a new crew comes in. Well, I'm going to pop out there and check that out. So I go upstairs, there's Jemayev. Now, that was interesting for a few reasons. Number one to me, and if you were one of the two followers over here, then you know we talk about Shemayev all the time. And all we do is go in circles on different rumors that we're hearing about Shemayev, and then we, we, we tend to jump in the pool of the rumor that seems the most reasonable. And where that left us off was that Shemayev cannot get into the States. Visa issue. I spoke about that, but I stole that from somebody else who stole that. From, that was the word going around. Nobody said it wasn't true, so we believed it. I walk upstairs to my stand right there. What? What? What is going on? So I make my way over. And I have met Chemayev, but it was over FaceTime. I interviewed him. Hadn't met him face-to-face -face before, so I go ask him about that. And you guys might have seen that. I put a little piece out on social media. It's on Instagram. It's on Twitter right now if you just want to see it. But just showing that Chemayev was there, and he's wearing you know, a UFC shirt, and it says U UFC training facility in the background, so you know where he's at. Boom, there's the establishing shot. Two days prior to that, it does get revealed to us all that Chemayev is going to be fighting Burns next pay-per-view, which happens to be April 9th in Jacksonville, Florida. So we knew that things were getting worked out. But the Chemayev clues are very hard. Had I not seen him with my own eyes, if somebody else had told me the story, I don't know if I'd tell you guys it was true. I had to be there, and then when I was there, I still didn't want to come and tell you guys it was true. It's why I videoed it. I'm not really social media make a video guy. But I needed to document where he was, what was going on, because it's a clue on Chemayev. The most interesting guy in the sport that we have a hard time getting absolute facts around. Okay, hold that thought, because after the fight, Dana's at the press conference. I'm talking Saturday night. Dana goes to a press conference, talks about Chemayev, and says, Chemayev versus Burns is a number one contender's fight. I don't see why it wouldn't be. Well, that's a big clue. I mean, not only is this the co-main event of the next pay-per-view, that all of our attention starting on Tuesday of this week is going to be focused around, but now we've got purpose. Why would Chemayev and Burns fight? That's always bothered me. What is this about? Well, now I know. If it's the number one contenders fight, now I know. And that's great news for Gilbert Burns, too. Gilbert Burns has done everything right. Everybody loves Gilbert Burns. And for Gilbert Burns to take this risk, Gilbert Burns is one guy who has said yes repeatedly to some very heavy lifting. And the only thing he's ever gotten from it is asked to do more heavy lifting. So when Dana said that, it made me feel good. And it was also right. The reason it's right is because the last time Dana spoke about Chemayev was at the Madison Square Garden press conference. Colby versus Usman part two. And Dana said he's four fights. Talking about Chemayev. He's four fights away from being in a conversation for number one contendership. So that's changed. That four fights just become a fight. But that sounds more right, doesn't it? I mean, if, 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 Chimayev, if anybody can get through Burns, 
can we agree they they deserve to fight for a championship? And maybe they won't. Because you still got Luka, you still have Blahal, you, st you still have other guys. I'm just saying the word deserve. They, they could be the guy. The same thing for Burns. If he's going to go out and do this heavy lifting like he always does over the one guy that nobody wants to fight, but he's willing to put his name on and go fight, he's got to get something. So great news. We've got some clarity. Now, I talk about Chemayev once a week. I come to you guys and I say, okay, this week's topic on Chemayev. So I have some questions for Chemayev that I've been asking you. We go in the comment section. We all try to figure it out back and forth. But one of those questions is, why 170? Why not 185? Well, when I was standing with him, my opinion changed. He's a 170-pounder. If he was going to go to 85, and I know he's done it a couple times, but he's also talking about going up to 205, he's going to maybe need a little time. Maybe not as much as John Jones, maybe not just fully focused, but right now he needs to be a 70-pounder, particularly if he is talking about this champ, champ, champ thing. Over time, as human beings, we don't get smaller. We get a little bit bigger. He's in the right order. He's going 170, but it's also relevant because the most that he's ever weighed in his life, and I asked him this, in his life, not training, not sweating, not, the most he's ever got on a scale, and that scale set is 188 pounds. But that was the most. He's usually around 181. So I'm just bringing this to you that he, he's a 70-pounder. And I said to him, well, I watched you wrestle Jack Hermanson. And seeing you and Jack, and Jack's a good-sized middleweight, seeing you and Jack, you looked bigger to me. And he said, no. He said, I've had a lot of people tell me that, but I, I can tell you from grabbing Jack, Jack was Jack was big and strong. Okay, great. This is going nowhere else other than I met Chimaev. I got some of these questions out finally. Now, I did really love that Dana tied this up. Four fights, right? that's just that's a rough number. That could be three, that could be two. I always interpret it as, as a period of time. About a year and three months is how I interpreted it. Which, by the time he gets done with Gilbert, Kamaro's got... Business with Leon, got to see who comes out of that. You set the fight up. You're, you're over halfway there. Now, that's only one piece of the game. I will tell you right now, Blahal Muhammad is not going to take this laying down. Vincent Luque is not going to take this laying down. They will have the final word. And as we all well know and agree to, we are going to adhere fear to the rules in MMA that we make up on the spot. So let's see where this goes. But the battle is at least continuing. Some of the pieces are falling into place. And now we've got even more reason to be curious and to pay attention to Chemayev versus Burns. Chemayev is one of the sport's most discussed upcoming stars. Right up there with Chemayev is Islam Makhlchev. Now Islam made some comments on social media this week that caught my attention and I thought I'd bring them to you. Islam Makhlchev, guys, let's let's back up a minute here. So Islam beats Bobby Green and becomes the number one contender, or so we think. Now we think that because we were told by somebody who was allegedly told by Khabib that the phone call came in and said Islam's the number one contender. We all operated on that. In all fairness, I can't tell you who that person was or who the source to Khabib was. It wasn't Khabib himself, so maybe there was a little bit of wiggle room, but we heard this and we believed it. Can we agree on that? Okay. So then Islam gets the bright idea to go to social media and offer to fight RDA. Put the number one contenderships up to hell with it. There's something personal between Islam and RDA. I can tell you that's true. 
I ended up smack dab in the middle of that when I got a call from Islam's team who wanted to submission grapple RDA. And if we could make the match, Khabib would even come to the match. And I will tell you, from where I'm sitting, that's a pretty sweet offer. So I'm looking into it, and whatever ended up happening, this is over a year ago, RDA ended up with Cowboy instead, but it was the night of that card if you're a Submission Underground fan. So I know there's something personal, but they've kept it quiet. I have no idea what it is. The closest we have ever gotten to finding out what it is publicly is when Islam calls out RDA. For last Saturday's card, before Moyakano was put in, RDA is left with how to partner when his opponent comes down with COVID, goes on social media, this is Islam, and says, let's settle this once and for all. I needed 170 pounds. But anything else you want to do, I'll see you Saturday. Well, that was pretty exciting. Maybe particularly for me, I was going out to that card. I really wanted to see that. I was really interested in that. I was hoping I could get the backstory. What is personal between these guys? And I remember when when Islam even put that, that's the first time that I recall publicly he stated he had a problem with anybody. And we still don't know who's right, wrong, what ha- We have no idea. It was very light on details, but it was intriguing. That's my only point. RDA says, let's do it. Now, here's where things got weird. RDA was supposed to reject the fight. RDA was supposed to publicly decide that that was too hard or not worth it or whatever other excuses you want to come up with to not walk out there and do it. RDA said, I'm in. Well, now what do you do? (laughs) What the hell do we do now? Is the number one contendership on the line? I don't know. That would have been some of the follow-up questions. I can read John Morgan's mind. That's exactly what he would have been asking at the press conference. But it looks like maybe this is going to happen. Then we find out Moyakano is doing 28 hours in the air with two different layovers just to get back to town, just to get 18 pounds off, just to get in there with a former world champion in RDA. And Islam's out. At the same time that we find out that's happening, Dana speaks on it very briefly, says Islam turned down RDA, Islam will now fight Benny. Nobody complained. There was no follow-up question to Dana, such as, why does he lose his number one contendership? What is wrong with turning down a fight? We just weren't told these kinds of things. Now, within the UFC, you can't turn fights down. You can't turn a fight down and be the number one contender. Do you guys understand why? The number one contendership is meant to represent that you have cleared out the field and the only question we have left is are you good enough to beat the champion? That's what a number one contender is supposed to be. So if a number one contender turned a fight down, by virtue they are now telling you, I'm not the guy, at least I'm not sure I'm the guy. That's why you can't turn a fight down. And, And there's other reasons too. In all fairness, there's a whole pie. But that's a piece of it. And Dana wasn't asked a follow-up question, but Dana didn't need to be. Because Islam didn't argue. Islam says, fine, I'm fighting Benny. Okay. We've heard from everybody, whether we finally get it all, whether every loose end is tied up or not, there's our answer, and we accept it as a community, don't we? We move right on. We're going to have Benny to look forward to. Then Benny starts weighing in, and I'm not going to have surgery after all. I'm going to heal this leg. I'm going to go fight Islam. That's number one contendership. But now Islam's finally spoke about it. RDA gave us one clue. He said one thing that Islam wanted was a million dollars for the fight. UFC didn't want to put a million dollars up in a co-main event. This is what we were told by RDA. RDA went on Errol Hawani's show and made that statement. Islam now has finally spoke. 
And Islam was cool in the gang with all of it. He's cool not being the number one contender. He's cool with the fight with Benny DeRouche. He's all right with the fact that he didn't fight RDA. He did not verify that he asked for a million dollars. The words he used was couple small stipulations that would have been no problem for the UFC. All right. So no one's mad. But Islam went on to make another point. Islam said, this is what really caught my attention, guys. He said, if I'm going to fight Benny, and I'm fine with that, who's the champion going to fight? God damn, that's a good question, isn't it? That is a really good question. If Benny and Islam are going to fight roughly when? Three months from now, probably closer to four. You got the training camp, you got the press tour, you got Benny's get to heal up three, four months from now. And you've got Charles is going to fight Gaethje. Where are they fight? They're fighting out in Phoenix. I can't think of the date. They're out in Phoenix in May. All of a sudden you go, well, yeah, this doesn't line up just perfectly. So who is going to fight the winner of Oliveira versus Gaethje? And that's where you come. Joe Rogan and Michael Bisping had a conversation on this. They came to the same conclusion, which is Conor McGregor. I'm a little light on that idea. I'm not in the school of thought of Conor McGregor's last fight represents his career. I'm not. He's got three world championship belts. He thinks he has two. He quite literally trademarked, this is Conor McGregor, quite literally trademarked champ champ. Did you guys know that? Conor McGregor owns that. He can sue you if you do anything with those words champ champ. He's got three. Conor McGregor forgot he's got an interim world championship as well. So I'm not in the school of thought that Conor can't slide right in and fight anybody at any time. I'm not. And I don't need to hear about his last fight or the one before that. I've never really liked that about our industry in the first place. I've never liked how fast your money goes, your sponsorship goes, your placement on the car goes, and your fans go. All because of being tied to your very last fight. Guy's not allowed to have a bad night? I don't know if I agree with that. Guy goes out there, gives it all. In this case, Conor McGregor, he fight gets stopped because he broke his leg. He's out there trying to do so much damage to his opponent's kicking so hard that he broke his own leg. We're going to punish him for that? I, I don't know that I'm on board for that. I'll put anybody's resume you want. But here's what the resume is going to be. I've won seven fights in a row. I should fight for the belt. Versus, I'm a three-time world champion. So we decided in the rankings meeting and we decided in the hierarchy of the sport that whoever won seven matches in a row is better. But if I was to ask you a different question and say your career is over, but I have the magical power to hand you one of two things. I can hand you at some point in your career, you won seven in a row. Or I can hand you that at some point in your career, you were a three-time world champion. There's not one of you that isn't going to pick the world championships. So how are we going to break this down? I get how we do it. I'm just sharing with you. I'm not against Connor going in and doing that. I'm not convinced it is Connor. I don't think the play here with Benny and Islam has any kind of political standing to Connor McGregor. I don't think that. I'm in a different school of thought as it pertains to Connor. I think that Connor's going to come back at least one fight at 170. I also think he should. I also have come to that conclusion because Connor went to Instagram and put out a photograph of himself weighing what he claimed to be 194 pounds, and his coach, John Kavanaugh, last he spoke about Connor, said, I want to see him at 170. I put those two and two together, boom, that's what I come up with. So I don't know that Connor for sure is being looked at for 155 for anything, let alone a world title fight.
But because of those two pieces of evidence that I just stated, I'm very confident in telling you guys that there was no political maneuvering to get Islam and Benny together. I think it's very straightforward what Dana gave us. I had a number one contender who turned down a fight that he asked for. You don't get rewarded for that. You're now going to go by the schedule that we all already agreed, which is you versus Benny. I will accept the results of that, same as I said a week ago when you guys were supposed to fight. I will look at this fight for my number one contender. Okay, it seems above board to me. But it is interesting. I'll concede to that. It is very interesting. It's very interesting how we got here. I personally really like Islam's attitude. I think most guys would have had real sour grapes. I think they'd be coming out, they'd be throwing mud, they'd be screenshotting text messages, they'd be real jerks about it. I think Islam was pretty cool. Yeah, I'll fight Benny. That's fair. That's what I had already agreed to do. That's the guy I've always thought I had to beat to be the number one contender. No problem. I like that. But I also do like the point that Islam is making. Islam only asked one question here. He said, if it's not me and it's not Benny, who does go fight for the championship? And there's multiple answers, right, guys? I mean, there's so many things that go uh, into making a fight. But scheduling is one of those items. So possibly the schedule does match up. It is possible. I don't know the injury of Benny. It's possible that Benny and Islam are on the same card as Gaethje and Oliveira. We don't have that information yet. It's possible. But if that were the case, boy, everything would line up just perfectly. Two guys get done the same night. You kick it on down the road. Got your semifinal here. Got your championship match over here. It all works out. But for right now, for right in this moment, when we all do know that Connor is looming, Connor could fight for the world championship. I'm light on the idea. I think Nate Diaz or George Masvidal versus Connor is going to be the fight to make. I think that you even put that international fight week. That's what I think. But even if decision makers agree with me, there's still 20 other things that you got to do before you can get the fight into the ring. Joe Rogan and Bisping wait, and they make a good point that it could be Connor. Connor versus Gaethje is a very interesting matchup. Connor versus Oliveira is equally as interesting, but for different reasons. Connor can win those fights. Connor can piss everybody off. Connor can throw this whole thing on his head. I don't think he's going to, but I want to hear from you. Is that what's happening here? Let's answer Islam's question. It was a real simple one. If I, Islam, am fighting Benny, who fights the winner of Oliveira Gaethje? To close out today's show, Makhlchev's mentor Khabib is getting inducted into the UFC Hall of Fame, leading me to think about this question, which I want to submit for you guys. Khabib Nurmagomedov, are his best days behind him? World champion, defended it successfully, worldwide fame, pocket full of money, inducted into the Hall of Fame. I mean, right, whatever goes up must come down. I know it doesn't sound like a good thing when you say, well, your best days are behind you, but when you have the level of success of Khabib, how do you trump that? And I will tell you, guys don't get into fighting for fame and fortune. They're not chasing records and titles. They say they are. But the records and titles are a byproduct. The byproduct of what the guy really got in the sport for, which is respect, just to get the respect of the community, the respect of your peers, so that when your window closes and your time is done, you can hold your head up high, 
come into events and be viewed and seen by other people who you respected. That's it. That is the number one thing. Everything else is a derivative thereof. The money and the championships and the Hall of Fame, that wasn't what the motivation was. The motivation was to get respect of a particular industry of which you chose, in this case, mixed martial arts. All right. Khabib did it. There is nobody who disrespects Khabib, and that includes the sitting current champion, which is not something if I was in his spot, I could tell you I would do. One thing that Charles Oliveira had over Khabib was that Charles was around at the same time and their paths never crossed. In a perfect world, if your team Khabib, whoever grabs that belt and runs with it next will be somebody who you beat during your time. Thus, the belt lives on through you. Now, there's nothing you can do to control that, right? I mean, that's just, that's complete luck. But it's also the luck that happened to fall on the side of George St. Pierre. George got to beat everybody of yesterday, everybody of his time, and then he got to beat the next generation, evident of the fact that Johnny Hendricks, who George beat, went on and became the champion. It's just one of those things. There's nothing you can do. That didn't happen to Khabib, but you want to know who doesn't agree with me? Charles Oliveira. I do not suggest for you that Charles wouldn't take that fight. I do not suggest for you that Charles doesn't believe he can beat him. I'm not telling you Charles could beat him. I'm suggesting what Charles thinks. He doesn't do it. You want to know why he doesn't do it? You want to know how he doesn't call out Khabib? You want to know why Charles doesn't do what Chael Sonnen would do if I was in Charles's shoes? Respect. The champ respects the champ. Charles Oliveira wants Khabib recognized for what he is which is the greatest and most dominant fighter of that time, the end. That's not wonderful for Charles. That's not wonderful for Charles's team. That's not wonderful for Charles's career. Charles doesn't care because he respects Khabib. It's a big deal. It's a very, very big deal. I did a show with Khabib. It's called Eagle FC. Took place on a Friday night. We were in Florida. Khabib was there. I go home, I turn on Bellator that night, which happens to be one day later and in, across the country. It was in Arizona. Khabib was in a guy's corner. The guy fighting Benson Henderson. Khabib is a true coach and he's a true mentor. And he's attempting to live on, live on the legacy set by his father. And it's very rare that somebody can coach and do it well. You don't see Michael Jordan coaching an NBA team. You don't see Joe Montana coaching an NFL team. It's generally you can do one or the other. But there is exceptions to that. I maintain, and history will prove me right, that Dominic Cruz will go on to coach more world champions than Dominic personally won. Dominic's best days are still in front of him on the other side, but it looks like so are Khabib's. So before you think the answer to this question I put out there of are Khabib's best days behind him, not necessarily. They would be for most. And those days are going to be just fine and life is going to be wonderful, but not necessarily. Khabib is about to get the greatest distinction that our industry can bestow on anybody, which is an induction into the Hall of Fame. They bring you out, they make it official, they give you a jacket. But there is no greater honor that our industry has than that. And I also think that Khabib is going to be, be coaching a stable full of champions. Islam comes to mind right now, whether Islam gets the belt or not. I think that Nurmagomedov, who turned out to be Khabib's cousin, that fought Brian Kelleher over the weekend. Look, if I had any, any magic wand, if I had any wish for this, week, this past weekend's fights, is that nothing bad happened to Brian Kelleher. I do not want him cut. I do not want his placement on the card diminished. Brian Kelleher took some very heavy lifting. Brian Kelleher is tough as an old leather boot. He just 
was in there with a better fighter. Kelleher was a 10-to-1 dog, and he went out there and he tried to win that match. I know a lot of guys, when you get beat or you get stopped, or in some all losses are not the same. All defeats are not the same. There is a meaningful difference in the level of competition. And a guy walking out and doing it anyway, and I bring that to you. I want, I want to pay Kelleher. I, I was impressed with him. I was very proud of him. But I also saw the skills of Nurmagomedov with Khabib in his corner. And Khabib had a couple of guys on the card. He doing his training in the AKA when he's in California under Javier Mendez. Got his own gym going in Dagestan. Got a promotion uh, going in Florida. And he, he doesn't miss anything. Got guys in Eagle FC, guys in Bellator, guys in the UFC. Khabib's there. He's with them. That's a guy who's present. That's not just a name. That's not just a figure. That's somebody who cares. It's very hard to imagine somebody with the level of success of Khabib when he puts a bow on it can still have equal or greater success, but Khabib is the rarity. He might go on to be one of the great coaches of all time. That journey has begun. His intentions are sincere. The stable is full. The horses are out of the barn. Where is Khabib going to go? How many metaphors can I give you? <laughs> the horses are out of the barn. Listen, it's real though. And I want to know. I just want you to make your prediction. Guy that's going to the Hall of Fame that's got a stable full of guys that are signed to major promotions that are seeking world championships. Is he going to win more there than he won himself? I'm giving him 29. He's 29 and 0 as an athlete. World champion as an athlete. Defended it multiple times as an athlete. Can he coach guys to do equal or greater things? That's my question, and my prediction is yes. All right, guys, that's it for today. I have had it with you all. But if you enjoyed the show, please go to Apple Podcasts, search your welcome, and leave me a review like our friend Z, who says Chael is a really good podcaster. Well, thank you, Z. And thanks to the rest of you. I'll be back on Friday to discuss so much more. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.